I ask you, what does the statement, let's do this, communicate? Um, it, it communicates it's a time for action. It Maybe it usually means that something has been planned, something has been discussed, it's been anticipated, and it's time to pull the trigger on it. It usually involves at least two people that are presumably in, in agreement about a course of action, and, and it's time to, to take it on. Our study of Hebrews, up through uh, half of chapter 10, had been talking about elements, events in heaven, unseen by men and women. And the, writers have been, the writer has been building, it's just one writer, okay. Uh, the writer has been building the reader's confidence and explaining Jesus' credentials. He's been talking about how Jesus is the fulfillment of the Old Testament and, and how the whole Old Testament had been working up to proclaiming the gospel of the coming Messiah and how it became fully expressed in the person and the work of Jesus Christ and how we can have confidence in that truth, in those events, in that person especially. We've looked at it as Jesus is not just good, he's not just better, he's not just best, he is everything. We've read about um, all of these principles summarized in chapter 10, verses 19 through 21. Where we read, therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain, that is through his flesh, and since we have a great priest over the house of God. This, this is a summary of the confidence that we should have. Having read these chapters, and especially that we would have had being a Hebrew person, having been raised up under the law, the Mosaic law, and, and having read these chapters and seeing all that relates in Christ to the Mosaic law and how all of this in the Mosaic law was pointing to Christ, you can see how this summarizes the confidence that we should have. It summarizes the confidence that is held by our dear brother Jim Spencer. As, as short of God's healing work physically, he waits for God's permanent healing work spiritually. And, and what a wonderful patriarch who sits and waits for the Lord to take him, confident that he will be able to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus. You know, when Jim asks, why does God still have me around? The one encouragement I give him is, Jim, you are a patriarch. You are standing in confidence in your Savior as you look at eternity. That, that is the confidence that all that we have been taught in Hebrews should give us. And so with all that's been explained and prepared... As you can say, as you can see, he says, since we have confidence, he basically says after this, let's do this. 
And so what does he focus in on? He focuses in on our relationships with each other and how this truth should impact us as a body of Christ, where he says, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another with all and, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. And now, as you've been walking through the book of Hebrews with me, you're, you should get to this point in these verses where you're like, whoa, <laughs> we've been working through all of this doctrine, 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 especially from the Hebrew point of view. And now it's like he opens up the fire hose with all of this application. And you see in this, let us, it's let's do this now. The reason why we're turning to these verses is in the fact that they're a major application of what we've been learning. And we are, we are returning to this, these verses as we said we would coming to the end of chapter 10. And they're also very helpful for us to understand the importance of our 2022 focus as a body of Christ, where we believe God wants to take us as a body of Christ. And that is increasing our focus on discipleship. Specifically, I'd like to focus on verses 24 through 25 as we focus on discipleship over these weeks. And when I say we... I mean us as shepherds of harvest as, and, and us as, as men that have been putting our mind toward discipleship and women who have been putting our mind towards discipleship and, and discerning a unity of the Spirit, that being a unity of the Holy Spirit among us, that this is where he wants us to put extra energy toward this year. Just a little definition of discipleship. I'm not happy with this definition, but I just want to wet your whistle a little bit here this morning. We'll dig, dig deeper into this in the coming weeks. Discipleship, as the Dictionary of Bible Themes tells us, is the process of becoming a committed follower of Jesus Christ with all the spiritual disciplines and benefits which this brings. Our men's retreat this past November, you guys might remember, we focused with Dr. Jeff from DTS on discipleship. And so I'll be able to bring out some, of, some more of what he taught us about discipleship during those days. But a discipled Christian improves their ability or they, they are improved in their ability to follow Jesus. That's what it's about. Jesus, just as Jesus' disciples we're better disciples by better following their rabbi, Jesus. We are better disciples of Christ as we improve our following of Christ. The, the disciples' following of Christ includes trusting and obeying God's revealed will in his word. And, and improves of an, an, an disciple of Christ improves also their following Christ as it improves their trusting and obeying God's guidance through his Holy Spirit. So focusing on these verses of 24 through 25, we read, let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works. 
not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. Now, as a body of harvest, we seek to provide um, the, some programming sides of discipleship. I know programming, we don't like that word. But, um, you know, it comes in through the Sunday sermon. This is discipleship in some ways. The small groups, Bible studies, ministry teams. Here we specifically see that we're told to stir up one another, to love and good works. We're looking at some specific aspects of discipleship over these weeks as well. From our verses, I want to point out, first of all, that we should do discipleship with the intention of growth. And if I were to add one word to this idea, it would be do personal discipleship with the intention of growth. Discipleship on a personal level. When he talks about one another here, Notice, he, he's not saying, so make sure that your pastor, make sure that your church leadership or, or your uh, pastoral team is stirring up other people to love and good works. Now he says, let us stir up one another to love and good works. He's talking about them together. This writer isn't saying, okay, so you readers, you stir me up toward love and good works, and I'll just continue stirring you up toward love and good works. No, he's like, let us, all us congregations, all us Hebrew Christians, all us Christians throughout time, let us turn to one another in personal discipleship. The call is for us to be doing this with one another, the idea is that we all have each other's growth as our intention. But we're also intentional about someone else. And allowing someone else to be intentional about us. When he talks about consider, it means to put some thought, some effort into it. To take careful note of one another's spiritual welfare. And, and this takes the form of stirring up. It means to cause movement, even if it means some discomfort. As, as this term is translated in the NIV, spur one another. There's some discomfort involved in spurring one another to movement. The idea here is you as harvest are to be giving thought and effort to how you can be, be encouraging growth, spiritual growth in each other. So I'm not just dropping that on you. Over these weeks, we're going to be talking about what that can look like. How do we do that? You know, after a baby is born, it's important for, they, for them to go to the hospital for, or to their doctor, you know, the pediatrician, for well baby checks. They, they want to look at how well is the baby growing. Low growth rates leads them to ask, okay, what or how much is this baby eating? Because it's behind in, in low, you know, it's, it's behind in their growth. What if the parent says, well, you know what? All it takes is a bottle of Kool-Aid to get the kid to stop crying. And they seem to like it. So that's, that's what they eat. That's what they drink. 
obviously the goal of feeding the baby isn't to get them to stop crying, right? The goal of the baby eating is to help them grow, help them mature physically. A parent needs to provide their their specific child with what they need for growth. In the same way, as we focus on discipleship here in 2022, I think back to a discussion that I first had with a number of, of men from here within the body of harvest. Kind of, we kind of drew together kind of a cross-section of men as we, we discussed discipleship and getting input from, from uh, you women as well. And, and we came up with some principles of the expression of discipleship here at Harvest that, that we felt like uh, should guide this discussion. This was back in 2015. And they still ring true. First of all, discipleship is about following Christ, not following another believer. Another believer discipling us should be helping us to follow Christ better, not follow them. Another one is it's not about a program. Okay? It's about growth. It's not about, okay, check that off. I did that book. Check that off. I went to that. No. It should be that that book helps with growth. It should be that that meeting helps with growth. And we disciple in order to help a person to disciple someone else. That's what it should be about as well. We also came up with something uh, that we started kind of testing out as a body. We kind of started seeking the unity of the spirit as a body. We didn't want to. We don't like to just kind of like, okay, drop it. You know, this is our approach. But it's something we call the three-layer approach to discipleship. And we're going to be talking about that more in these weeks. But since that time, we, we added a discipleship pastor. I mean, that, that's part of the reason why uh, we began to focus in on discipleship. Uh, we started giving uh, greater attention to our student ministry, greater attention to um, staff-wise and things. Uh, to discipling our children and things like that. Not that those that, that were carrying it before did, weren't doing a great job with it. But, and we also, over these years, have observed a unity of the Spirit about this three-layer approach to discipleship. And, and we have prayerfully decided we need to make this our thing. We didn't get it out of a book. We didn't get it out of a, you know, a, a packet or something like that. It's just kind of our way of equipping other harvesters. And we'll talk about that. But anyways, we want to move on here. I also want to point out how our verses here emphasize that we should do discipleship for spiritual fruit. All right? It's not for us to have a stack of books at home that we can say we went through. But just as it's been for the intention of growth, notice here it's to we are to consider how to stir up one another to something, to love and good works. This is a description of spiritual fruit. Love is the very nature of our spiritual growth. The very nature of it is to result in our greater love for God and our greater love for others. You can see why he points that out. When he speaks of good works, we're not just supposed to be hearers of the word, as I mentioned, but to be doers of the word as well. I appreciate this one thing that I read. It says, a Christian is a mind through which which Christ thinks, a heart through which Christ 
loves, a voice through which Christ speaks, a hand through which Christ helps. That is what it should mean to be a follower of Christ. And discipleship allows us to be a better heart for Christ, a better voice for Christ, a better hand for Christ to use. I read about an interview with Jeremy Camp. And I know, you know, we could play four steps from Jeremy Camp in Montgomery County. Everybody's got four steps from Jeremy Camp at somewhere. Um, but I uh, read about an interview with Jeremy Camp. He began sharing the importance of, of us becoming he- not just hearers of the word, but also doers of the word. He shared his concern of why so many in our nation are beginning to, to walk away from the church. Many are saying, uh, that's all good and fine, but I want to do my own thing. You know, I, I, I believe, yeah, that's, that's God's way, but eh, I'm just not feeling it. He shared how we as believers, we have teachers and preachers and, and, and uh, so many tools at our fingertips and Bible studies and small groups available to us at any time of the day. You know, in person or online. But we have easily become hearers of the word and not doers. We have easily become fat sheep, is the term. We just get fatter as we eat because we're not working it off. All we're doing is eating and standing and eating some more like a, like a sheep. Bible study, worship, small groups, all of these are important for the life and the growth of believers. But Jesus wants us not just to be hearers of the word, but doers of the word as well. This means taking what we're learning and applying it to our lives and helping one another to apply the truth to our lives. Allowing God to make a difference, touching lives through us, changing hearts through us. Taking what we believe and get, therefore going, therefore, and making disciples. Our hope is that in focusing on personal discipleship among harvesters, that there will be a greater fruit of love and good works. That's what we're to be about. We trust that that's what God wants to do. Because that's what he means when he says, let's do this. And of course, these come from, from the wonder of being filled with his Holy Spirit. Uh, of of uh, each believer, let me say, is indwelt with God's Holy Spirit when they come to know Christ as their Savior, when they are converted from the, the, the domain of darkness to the kingdom of his light. We are indwelt with his Holy Spirit, but our being filled with the Spirit is dependent on our walking by the Spirit on our ability to walk with Christ. When filled with the Spirit, we see fruit of the Spirit in our lives. And the first chief of those fruits is what? Love. You see again why he points that out of what we should be stirring up in one another. And we're more prone to be prepared to obey God's leading and doing his good works. Just as Jesus told us that he's always doing the works of his Father. We are able to do good works as we are filled with the Spirit, as we walk by His Spirit. So personal discipleship should help us to follow Christ better by being filled with the Holy Spirit. 
We also believe that at Harvest, as a whole, we will benefit from harvesters being discipled by harvesters. Now, I've got a, a, a very academic paper available to you if you're interested in this. Okay, It kind of outlines a little bit of what is meant by this. And, and women don't feel shunned by this, but it, it specifically focuses in on men's ministry. And, and it's, it um, is kind of the, the theological basis for the reason for our focusing in on men's ministry over this last uh, 2021 and continuing to do so as we move forward. But just to kind of wet your whistle about this, I know some of you aren't really readers, so I thought you'd want to kind of see what is this about. Uh, the, the outline of the paper is there are biblical reasons for investing in men's ministry, how men ministering to men is a biblical priority, how a church is led into maturity by maturing men. Mature men should be successful, successfully leading their families. Mature men are needed for discipling other men, and mature men grow in greater maturity by discipling other men. So just to share this is, is kind of some of the theological background as well as to, as to the value of discipleship at Harvest and our moving forward in it. There's about 20 copies of it in the back there. You're welcome to grab that paper on your way out. Now, I'll have more next week in case you just eat it up, you know. Uh, there'll be about three or four of them gone. But anyways, <laughs> from our verses... We're challenged also that we should real, we, to realize that we should do discipleship as we gather together. The vital importance of our gathering together. He says, let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together. Uh, we, we talked about this term, meet together. In the original language is epi-synagogue. So actually, it's actually, I think it's epi-synagogo. And you can hear that term, synagogue. I believe it's speaking to that weekly gathering, worshiping, sitting under God's word, just like what we're doing here. And these are Hebrew readers, so he uses a Hebrew term for their meeting together. Notice, neglecting the gathering of the church is antithetical to stirring up one another. That's a big point here that he's making. It's antithetical. It is the opposite of stirring up one another to stay home on Sunday morning. I'll I'll be that plain about it. Also, stirring up one another is the goal of brothers and sisters gathering together as the church. All right? That's part of the reason why we love our fellowship break. It's part of the reason why I love looking out over this place after church. And it's not like you're required to do this. But people are standing around talking with each other, encouraging each other, sometimes praying together. And also a good work of gathering together is what we should be stirring up in each other. Okay, so it's okay to get on the phone, say, hey, brother, hey, sister, I'm just stirring you up a little little bit. I haven't seen you lately. That's a direct application of these words fit together. 
how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together. It's very possible that a major prompting of this letter being written was this concern about the Hebrew Christians neglecting their gathering together for worship. I go as far as to say doing church. We believe that a good work that we should be encouraging, uh, a good work that we should be encouraging from our gathering together is also personal discipleship among you. You know, our world is presenting us with a lot of milk toast uh, ways of feeling good about what we do with our time. By milk toast, I mean weak. A recent phenomenon is people firmly believing that they can be a part of solving the world's problems by raising awareness. Uh, awareness is simply the process of making other people aware of problems. Then the, the idea is that magically someone else, like the government, will then fix it. And the belief allows people to feel that, uh, that sweet self-satisfaction without actually helping anyone. You know, kind of Facebook warriors and kind of, kind of thing. They also feel self-righteous when, without having faced any difficult challenges in their quest because the only challenge of raising awareness is people not being aware. You know, they can just say, well, there I said it. I've done my job. What makes this even more appealing is that people get to raise awareness through fancy dinners, parties, marathons, fashion shows, concerts, eating at restaurants, and bracelets. In other words, people just have to keep doing the stuff they like in order to raise awareness. Just call it, we're raising awareness by doing this. Now, I'm not saying we shouldn't raise awareness, but there's a lot of people that feel like their job is done by just raising awareness. Uh, the, the thing is, is it, if it's uh, to raise awareness... They feel like they've somehow made a difference by doing the things that they love. Just shooting for raising awareness is also uh, awesome because uh, once a person has raised awareness to an acceptable, subjective level, they can just back off and say, bam, I've done my part. Now it's up to you. Fix it. It doesn't work that way. <laughs> Nothing gets fixed that way. Our stirring up one another toward love and good works as we gather together is to be more than just raising awareness. So how do we do more than just raise awareness about discipleship? This needs to be more than just me saying, y'all should, should care about this, or y'all should be doing this. It needs to be more than harvesters saying to each other, you should be doing this. And how do we do discipleship as a body of Christ, this body of Christ known as Harvest, our expression of the body of Christ? And like I've mentioned, our approach that we've chosen to take, it's not like everybody has to use this approach, it's what we call three-layer discipleship. And we're going to be getting into this more in the coming weeks, but, and I'm, I'm sorry I don't have a graphic of it up there, but three layers are simply this. That discipleship needs to have a foundation of biblical teaching. And 
it also, on top of that foundation of biblical teaching, there needs to be modeling or demonstration of what it looks like to follow Christ. And on top of that, there needs to be coaching. So the way that you understand this is, let's say, you think in terms of a specific area of following Christ. Let's say, um, you know, a focus I like is um, men in caring for their wives, in being a godly husband. Okay, the first thing that needs to be laid there is what is the what does the Bible have to say about being a godly husband? How how does the Bible guide this issue? How, what does the Bible teach about this? And then the next issue, the question to ask is, has this person seen being a godly husband demonstrated for them? Do they know what it looks like, how it plays out? And the third one is this person interested and willing, are they ready to be coached in what it means to be a godly husband? Okay, so those simple, those three layers, and I know that's not rocket science, but we're going to get into this more uh, in the coming weeks, explaining what it means to make sure that we have good sound biblical teaching, whether it be we're thinking of ourselves or we're thinking of our son or we're thinking of our friend. Uh, a fellow harvester. Is there good, sound biblical teaching? Has it been demonstrated? Is that what is needed? Is there a desire to be coached in that area? That's what's meant by three-layer approach to discipleship. Over these next few Sundays, it's our hope that we better understand personal discipleship in this way. And we'll look at how these layers are evident in both Jesus' teaching and in his process of discipleship with his disciples and in the apostles' uh, practices and teaching as well. Our desire is that uh, this is an approach that equips all of us to better understand how we do this and helps make it happen. I'm not just up here raising awareness about the need for discipleship. It's our desire to make this happen and for us as shepherds to be about this as well. You see um, in your bulletin, there's kind of like this scary form there, okay? All that form is for you is to pray about, is to know about. Because at some point in these coming weeks, anyone who would like to make use of this form, this is not a requirement, it is something we have, we did this, I think, way back in like 2015. And um, so, like I said, this is something that prayerfully we've decided this is an approach that we want to take as the body of harvest. Um, if you, if the Lord is leading you, I, I have a hard time saying that because he tells us to be about discipleship. I'm not going to force you to be about discipleship, but I'm going to basically assume that God's leading you. And the question is whether you're listening or not. So if you're ready to take that step, if you're ready to let's do this, and you want to take the approach of, I'd like to be discipled in this area, or I would like to help someone in this area. That's what this form is going to be used for. And what we do is we use this and we try to pair people up. All right? Again, we're not going to like keep tabs on, oh, so-and-so didn't turn in a form. Okay, but at this point, the form is just for you to take and, and understand it and pray about it. Um, and we'll be, we'll be kind of providing it later on. 
as well. And maybe next week, if there's anybody that's like really like, man, I'm just convinced about this, and they have a form with them next week, we'll have a box for you to put it in there. Um, but just it's in there right now for you to kind of understand what this is going to look like, uh, as well as you know other aspects as well. Uh, it it uh, I believe it it impacts our small groups. It impacts our men's ministry, our women's ministry, our children's ministry. That's discipleship that's going on out there right now, and I love Pastor Jeff's and the other adults' commitment to that. So the foundational level. Just coming back to this as we close, I don't want to downplay the foundational level of teaching. I don't want, just as we've spent weeks upon weeks, don't tell me how many months, uh, in Hebrews so far, talking about the doctrine of Christ, the person and the work of Christ. We don't want to just downplay that and say, well, that's not important. You know, what's important is what are you doing? No, everything that we should be doing should be in, in encouraging that confidence, encouraging that faith in what? In Christ, encouraging that ability to follow Christ. So those creedal teachings, those, those, those deep teachings of who Christ is and our confidence in that are still vitally important. As I mentioned, the truths of Hebrews for the Christian are summed up in verses 19 through 21. Since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain, that is through his flesh, and since we have a great priest over the house of God. These are the truths that discipleship should help us to incorporate into our lives. Without these, the foundational knowledge of Jesus' person and work, we can't move forward or stand strong. So as we close in singing this morning about the things that we believe about following Christ, these are significant. They should be encouraged in each other. They are intended to change our lives. Let's bow our heads together.